Today we're going to be in Acts uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 12, if you guys turn there. Um, but before we get into the word, um, just going to intro uh, our sermon today. We're going to be talking about power. So I would love um, to just hear you guys kind of raise your hands or shout out, just do it in an orderly fashion. But just what comes to mind when you guys think of power? Um, I, we, I did this at the breakfast table with my kids this morning. It was interesting hearing their answers. But I'd love to just hear you guys... When you hear the word power, what comes to mind? What's the first thing that kind of kind of comes to mind? Leadership. Leadership. Yeah, that's great. Strength. Strength. Making things happen. Making things happen. Boldness. Boldness. The there you go. Superheroes. That was that was the first thing that 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 Desider talked about. He was like superpowers. You know, he was. Um, yeah. What else? Any, any anything else come to mind? What corruption? Yeah. There you go. What's that privilege? Yeah. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that, you know, as I get up here to, to like, teach. You know, it's like even having a microphone and having a, a captive audience is kind of like this weird, like, I have, I have all the power right now, and right? I can say anything, and you guys have to listen to me. And, um, to, to, I mean, in, in all seriousness, too, like, I'm a, I'm a white male um, approaching middle age in suburban America in the middle class. I mean, I'm... I'm if you look at societally what's going on, it's like a lot of people think that I'm, I'm the problem. And in a lot of ways, I think there's a lot of privilege that we have. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of power that I think that we've been given in a lot of ways that we don't even realize. We'll, we'll talk about that as we get along. But power is this interesting thing, right? There's so many different things that come to mind from everything from like superhero powers um, to like spiritual power, right? God's power. Um, also to leadership, and we're going to talk about all that today. So starting in verse 12, Acts 5, I'm just going to read through and, and we'll kind of go. This first section is really, just to summarize, it's the demonstration of God's power in verses 12 through 16. And actually, before we get into the, to the, the teaching, let's pray and ask for God's blessing. God, I just ask that you would be here today. I ask that you would show up in power. God, I, I recognize that... Um, any of these words that I share are um, just words, God, but you're the one that can give it power. And I want these words that I share today to be from you, God. I want your power to flow through our church, and I want your blessing to flow here today, God. And we ask just humbly, God, that you would show up. Ask that you would overcome any of the, uh, the perspective or the privilege that I have or that any of us come with, God, that we would just be able to strip that away and really hear from your word and power, God, and hear your what you would say to us, God, and what you would speak to us in this time, just as individuals, as a community, as a country, as, as, as a city and a, and a state. God, I, I ask that you would just step in in power today. And we, we ask that, God, and we ask that you would move here and that you would leave us changed today, that we would all leave this room transformed by your power. And we pray this in God's, in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. All right, so verse 12. Um, Rick um, dipped into my verses a little bit last week. I'm not going to hold it against him, but um, we're just going to back up to get the full context. So in verse 12, it says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. This is funny juxtaposition there, right? This is like, no one dared join them, yet 
nevertheless, like their number kept growing, right? And because God was saving people, right? And even though there was this, this outside fear, and remember last week, we, if you weren't here, last week was a kind of a crazy passage, right? Uh, Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied to the church. They came and they dropped dead. It was this kind of like somber, holy moment, right? Where, um, where Rick asked us to just really think about the idea of holiness and, and the idea that we would come before God honestly. Um, oh, someone's calling. Maybe it's God. He's, he showed up. We prayed. Um, so last week we said this crazy, this situation happened, right? And great fear came upon everyone. And that's, we kind of see the out, the out, um, the outworking of that this week is this, this people are, are responding to that and they're afraid, but more and more people continue to believe in Jesus and were added to their number. As a result, People brought those who were ill into the street and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. So really, what I love about this is that in in light of last week's heavy message, right, nothing can stop God's power. The energy and the expansion and the momentum that was happening, I mean, nothing could stop it. God was just saving people, even in spite of the fear, even in spite of the fact that people were afraid to even show up at church, right? I mean, imagine that if that happened here last week at our church, that a couple people dropped dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you be afraid to come to church the, the, the next week to go, man, I'm going to show up and w- what's going to happen? Am I going to be found out? Am I going to be the one? And so there's this fear, but yet nothing can stop God's Spirit. And what I love here too is um, if you'll notice the result of this of this section is really God's power expresses itself through healing, both physical as well as like psychological and spiritual. That that idea of that demonic oppression, the people with impure spirits, and all of them were healed. I mean, this is a demonstration of God's power, but the way it manifests itself is a lot different than I would think. You know, it's funny when when we think of power and when I asked my kids, their first thought was like superpowers because they're really into superheroes right now, and it's like that kind of power is like this, this, this thing that we, we love as humans, just thinking about, oh, these superhumans, right, that are just destroying the, the, the enemy, right? But God's power expresses itself by freeing people, by healing, by changing their, their minds, changing their hearts, changing their lives physically. And what a beautiful expression that is. And the apostles were the medium that God's power flowed through. If you notice in this passage and all through this passage, God's power always flows through the apostles, through people, through these broken human people that were walking with God. And I love that. I love that they're the medium of God's power to flow, just like for us. God wants his power to flow through his church, not in spite of it, but we are, are participating in that. And so really, we begin this, this passage talking about power, the demonstration of God's power. And I want you guys to, to see that. And as we go in, we're going to see the response, um, the way the human authorities and rulers respond to that. And so verse 17, when then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. This phrase stood out to me, and I actually referenced back Acts 4.31. Um, I'll read it. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God boldly, right? This Holy Spirit moment, they were filled with the Spirit. Here in, in this contrast, this language is very similar the high priest and his associates, they were filled with jealousy. And I, I think that contrast is really interesting, right? It's like God's moving in power, and their response 
is not filled with the spirit. Their response is filled with jealousy. They're, they're trying to protect and control. And here we're going to, um, after we walk through the passage, I'm going to contextualize it a little bit for us, talk about power in our day and corruption and some of the things that we kind of experience on a day, day-to-day basis in, in our world. But I think this is really telling here because a lot of human power is exerted to control to, out of fear. Um, these religious leaders were afraid. They were seeing this church growing. They were seeing opposition happen and the church is still growing and nothing's stopping it. And they're going, we got to stop this. Our, our power is threatened, right? Their source of authority, their source of rule was actually being threatened by these by these religious, uh, by these, these Christians, and they're going, We're, we got to stop it. So what did they do? Um, they arrested the apostles, put them in the public jail, put them in the slammer. Um, they just <laughs> locked them up. And it's like, it's funny when you, when you step back and we look at this whole passage and it's kind of like, you know, they're, they're kind of scrambling, like, how can, we, how can we stop them? Let's put them in jail. And it's like, really? Like, you really think... God's like just flat out like healing people. Peter's shadow is falling on people and they're just getting completely healed. And it's like, you really think you, you can just, like, like a jail is going to hold back what God's going to do? And of course, we know the answer. Um, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail, brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Love that phrase. This, I'll tell them all about this new life. Essentially, again, the result here is God's power creates freedom from captivity. And this freedom leads to boldness in proclaiming all about this, this, this new life. So there, again, we see this example of God's power being demonstrated, but his power is not to crush, um, crush the bad guys, you know. His, the power is actually just freeing his people. There's freedom from, from captivity and slavery there. And I think for some of us in this room, this, there's a picture in here of sin, right? There's... there's um, we become captive to sin, just like Adam and Eve did when they, they were given authority and rule. They were given authority and rule over all creation. I mean, imagine that, guys. Imagine just God comes to it and says, you're, you're, you're in charge of everything. You're ruling over all the animals, all creation. You're stewards. And they, and they messed it up. And they imprisoned themselves, right? They, they became trapped. They, they hid from God. They, made, they put fig leaves and sewed them together. I mean, they were trying to fix this thing on their own, and they were, they were trapped. But God, in his power, gives freedom. And I just, I just wonder today for some of you, for some of us that are bound up by sin, or maybe there's just this, this thing that's besetting you. Mental health is a real thing. I mean, maybe it's, it's something... It's an anxiety that's just, that's plaguing you, or it's fear, or it's depression, or who knows what it is. But I believe God wants to come in power and give freedom and healing and to free the captives. I mean, I, I, this picture is, is, is amazing. So he frees his people, and he tells them, to, okay, the response now is you're, you're not just freed to, to go your own way, but he goes, like, go and tell people about this. Go, go and broadcast this. Make it big. And sure enough, at daybreak, in verse 21, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and they sent to the jail for the apostles. <laughs> but on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, uh, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the, <laughs> the captain of the, guard, the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss. 
wondering what this might lead to. <laughs> I mean, the, the language here is so funny. It's like they're scratching their, 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 their heads. They're going, they're at a loss. They're like, what, what's, what's going to happen now? What's this going to lead to? And they're actually become afraid. Their response is really kind of comical. But then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. I mean, their worst nightmare, right, is losing power. And here, not only has God freed them, they've somehow been freed from, from, from jail. The guards are sitting around scratching their heads going, well, we didn't open the gate, but they're gone. And what's this going to lead to? And then all of a sudden they find out, oh, man, these guys are in the, in the temple preaching and teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. So here, it's just, it's, it's funny. They're, they're still threatened, right? They're still threatened by losing their power. But their response um, is they're very calmly like, okay, will you guys please come with us? Um, and they're very kind of like polite about it because they don't want to lose, they, they want to save face, right? They don't want to get stoned by the uh, people. So they're still in this preservation mode, still operating out of fear, and it's, it's sad. Um, it would almost be more comical if it wasn't really sad what the, that their hearts are so um, stone cold here. Um, the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And then you can almost hear the way that's written. Um, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. You know, they're, they're like shaming them. You know, they're scolding them. Hey, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. <laughs> it's just funny. It's like they're so close to like they are guilty of his blood. The irony of the situation is they're, they're afraid, right? And they're like, you're, you're teaching, you're filling whole Jerusalem with your teaching and you're trying to bring this man's blood upon us. And it's like, yeah, you, you, you guys killed Jesus, but he died for you, you know? They, they're not even hearing, they're not willing to hear this message of redemption. They're so hell-bent on controlling the situation, on retaining power. And, um, and Peter responds. He's, Peter and the other apostles replied in verse 29, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. I mean, Peter just goes right for it. He's not, he's not afraid at all. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. Again, this, is, this goes back to, well, the slides on it, but the, 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 the kind of um, the title of our sermon series through the book of Acts at Colossae is History of Our Witness. And here we, we see him, Peter even use that, that language. We are witnesses of these things. We've seen this happen. We saw him. We saw him risen. And so is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also a witness whom God has given to those who obey him. Again, he even, he boldly proclaims, he gets right in their face and says, you guys killed Jesus, right? But we're just witnesses of him. We're not on a power trip, guys. We're not here to, to, to take over. The Holy Spirit is also a witness, and the Holy Spirit has given, been given by God to those who obey him. And Peter's really here pointing us all, including the Sanhedrin and all the religious authorities, toward this reality that this power is not for us, you guys. We're not here on a power trip. God's chosen to give his spirit to those who obey him, and it's given to us, but it's him. It's God's power. It's not us. When they heard this, they were furious, and they wanted to put him to death. (laughs) So the, uh, Peter obviously struck a chord here. Um, he struck a nerve with them, um, and they were unhappy. Uh, they were furious. 
and verse 34, but a Pharisee named Gamaliel. That name sounds familiar um, later in the book of Acts. I'm not sure if we'll get there through our series, but um, Paul himself, I think elsewhere in the, in the New Testament, it talks about Paul himself was actually studied under this rabbi, um, Gamaliel. So he was um, this famous rabbi, well-known at the time. He was actually going to demonstrate here for us some pretty sound wisdom um, in this situation. I mean, you think about this, there's these contrasting powers that are happening. God's showing up in power. People are responding in, in fear and jealousy and power, and they're ready to kill Peter. I mean, they're just, they're, they're ready to go and just straight up kill him. Gamaliel steps in, and, and he's a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people. He stood up in the Sanhedrin, and he ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. He, he goes, okay, put these guys outside. Let's have a little, let's have a little uh, circle up the wagons moment. We're going to have a little huddle here. And we're going to talk about, you know, you guys are getting, getting fired up. And he ordered the men to be put outside for a little. Um, in verse 35, then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. So he's kind of the voice of reason and caution in the story here. It's interesting because he's, he's one of the Sanhedrin. He's one of the religious authorities and rulers. He's obviously respected by the people because he stands up and he orders these guys to be put out. And he starts... He's kind of the the elder statesman of of the group. I mean, he's bringing some sound reason here. And he says, some time ago, he's going to tell two stories about similar to the power struggle that's kind of going on with with the religious leaders. And he says, some time ago, Thudius appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. A second story. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the day of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. So he tells us two little stories, and he goes, Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. <laughs> I mean, he, he goes after it, right? And this is funny because he's a Jewish. I mean, he's not a believer in Jesus here at all. And I, we, I don't think we have any historical evidence that he ever became a believer in Jesus. But he's just saying some sound wisdom. He is going, hey, guys, you know, even from his experience and his study of the Old Testament, he's just going, hey, guys, if, you're, if, if this is of human origin, it's going to fail. If it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Which is so, I mean, in the perspective, if we zoom out and look at the whole book of Acts, I mean, all the persecution that comes upon these early Christians at the hand of the religious leaders was an example of they were fighting against God. I mean, we can see that they were fighting against God. We know that. And that's part of why the story is told to us because we can actually see this played out. His speech persuaded them. So apparently people listened to him, which is good. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. I think that's interesting. It's so kind of like mentioned in passing. And you think about flogging, we don't know how many lashes that they got. I think Jesus was 39 or... Uh, it was typical to have 39 or 40 lashes. I mean, this is an intense thing. I mean, this was not like, oh, give him a spank and let him go. It's like, no, they, they got severely, brutally flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let him go. And what do you think they did? Do you think they listened? <laughs> the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, I love the ending of this, guys. This is, 
I mean, it, it starts to make the hairs on my neck stand up. I just get, I get excited, right? Um, Gamaliel here shares this wisdom, and they go, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll listen to you. They still beat him brutally, and they let him go. But the, the, the result in this last section of this chapter, um, the thing that screamed to me when I read it was just um, they never stopped, right? Like, Throughout this whole story, we see the, the first section, this momentum is happening, right? God's healing and power is coming down and, and people are being freed up. The second section, we see freedom from slavery, right? These people are in prison. They're put in prison. They're literally handcuffed in there. They're, they're put in prison and, Jesus, and the angel, God sends his power and just frees them, right? They're freed. And then this last section, it doesn't end up super well. They still get beaten brutally, but they never stopped. I mean, these nothing could stop this momentum and energy because these people were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had this encounter with God, with the Holy Spirit, that was absolutely powerful, that was life-changing, that they, they, they just, they never stopped. And if you look at the whole book of Acts, I mean, again, the, keep in mind, the whole book of Acts plays out over years and years, probably, I think, 30 or 40 years throughout the whole book. I mean, these stories are kind of stitched together, and we, we read them like it's a continuous thing, but a lot of these stories are, there's a lot of time in between some of them. And so we get the feeling sometimes that, well, God doesn't work like this in, in today. I mean, this was a very unique time in history. It was a unique time in history because it was the first time that the Holy Spirit was un, um, unleashed on the world. And so, yeah, it was unique. But I also don't believe it was ever intended that this was the, like, this is the, the, the pinnacle of what the Holy Spirit was going to do. I believe it's, it's written here, recorded for us to understand how we are to live and that God wants to do the same thing in our day. So let's shift gears a little bit. We'll contextualize and then we'll kind of close up with a little bit of, of uh, response. Um, there's an interesting thing. If you look at the whole tug and war of the story, there's a tug and war happening, right? There's God sending his power. Healing happens. And then the dominant power structures of that day were the Jewish leaders and then the Romans. The Romans aren't in this picture yet. They're, if you follow through the book of Acts, you, you'll see that power struggle happening with the Romans. Um, the Romans were the really dominant power of the day, even over the Jewish people. But the Jewish people were still, and you'll find this um, in, in our world today too, is people will find their little thing, whether it's like like a, a city mayor that's wanting to just uh, control a city and go, and go crazy and abuse power. I mean, that, that abuse happens, that control happens, even in the smallest little example, right? It's, it's leading a board of a, of a nonprofit or it's running, working in a government agency and someone's on their power trip because they're a manager and they're managing people. I mean, we see this all throughout different levels of power, but there's this tug of war happening and it's all about power. And it's about the limits and corruption of human power, and it's about the beauty, sovereignty, freedom, and healing of God's power, and the contrast of those two. And I think, as I was thinking about it, man, our current culture that we're in today is really interesting. I mean, it's election season right now. Um, there's corruption at every level of society and every single level of politics, regardless of what side um, politically you align with or most um, identify with. There's racial, racial injustice, police brutality, the Me Too movement. I mean, sexual abuse is all about power. It's all about, in some cases, men abusing the power and authority that they're given and not realizing that, that other people are going to succumb to that pressure, that there's, there's 
ways that that needs to be handled. And there's gender inequality. There's the election rigging with Facebook and all the stuff that happened with, with Trump getting elected, social media and their advances into surveillance. I mean, the Kavanaugh hearings, I mean, the, even like numerous mega, mega church pastoral scandals that have happened in the past year, it's just like, and on and on and on. We could go on all day talking about it, and I don't want to um, because it's depressing. <laughs> but all these things that we just talked about, they're about the wielding of power or the incorrect wielding of power. And human power expresses itself trying to el- uh, in elimination of opposition, in preservation of authority and rule, the minimization of personal integrity. That's one thing that we see on both sides of politics is no one's really concerned about the actual, the character of the people that are there. It's more about their posturing and about their platform and about all these things, right? But personal integrity is dying in our culture in our day. No one really cares about it. If, you, if you're not personally, um, if you're not a person of integrity, no one cares as long as you're going to give them what they want, right? As long as you're going to give them Amen. both sides of the political spectrum, we see this. The abdication of responsibility, no one wanting to own up and just say, yeah, I, I did it. We see some of that in, uh, throughout the Me Too movement. There's been examples of people that have just come forward and said, yeah, I, I'm stepping down and I, I was wrong. And, and actually some maybe heartfelt apologies. Um, we also see this amalgamation of knowledge, but we, we lack the ability to synthesize it and actually do something meaningful with it, right? We're just compiling knowledge, and knowledge is power, and so we're just in different areas of society. And there's also the distortion of reality with power, which is reality. It's, there's so many distortion fields happening that we, we don't really know what's real and what's true. We don't know what, what, what to make of it all. And contrast this with divine power. Human power in our story today leads to fear and control. Divine power leads to care and human flourishing. Human power is hoarded, so people are trying to hoard it and fight for it. Divine power is distributed. God gives his power out so that it can unleash on people's lives. And the thing God cares about is not, look at these apostles, they're amazing, they're leaders. No, his power is going through them so it can touch people, everyday people. People like you and me that have everyday problems, <laughs> that live in a world that's broken, live in under power structures that are corrupt. And if we think our power structures are corrupt, I mean, just look at the Roman Empire and look at the corruption of like Nero and some of those guys. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It makes our political problems look like child's play, right? I mean, there's some crazy stuff that happened. But they weren't freaking out about it. The Christians weren't focused on it. They were actually going, yeah, things are messed up. But they were focused on allowing God's power to flow through them. And that made a difference in the world. And I think sometimes it, it almost feels like, at least if you're like me, you start to go, oh, okay, God, but is it really going to be impactful to just, I mean, we're just a small church in, in, in sleepy Sherwood, right? This small little quaint community of this beautiful little town, right? It's like, can, can we really make a difference in the whole world in, in against the onslaught of all of the corruption and all of the, the craziness and madness happening around us? Can we really make a difference? This, this church was 120 people at the upper room in the beginning of the book of Acts. I mean, there was a small group of people. It grew, it grew, it grew. The point isn't, we shouldn't be looking around and going, oh, we can't make an impact because these people were small. They were a group of around 100 people at the very beginning and they grew and they made a difference. They impacted the entire world. 
is they weren't, they weren't looking at the opposition going, oh, can we do it? They were actually just going, God, fill us with your power, and that changed people's lives, and people were impacted. And so I believe the story about warring power structures is not about, it's not a passive history for us to observe and go, oh, that's neat, that's cool. I believe God is inviting us individually in this Colossae Sherwood into this story through the haunting words of Gamaliel. I'm gonna read it again, um, this quote, and then I'm gonna ask a final question. And this is something I want us to consider as we respond to this. Acts 5, 38 to 39, if, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. <laughs> I love that Gamaliel even responds, you're not gonna be able to stop them, guys. You can try. You're not gonna be able to stop them if it's from God. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And that leads to this final question that I want us to all consider, myself included. Are we fighting against God? And I don't want to end on a negative because that sounds like a negative. Are we fighting against God? The answer isn't to fight for God. That's, that's the moral uh, majority and the, 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 the Christian right, which kind of lost. We, we lost the culture wars. We're not, we're not in power in this day as, as Christians, nor I believe is that the place where we're most effective. So the answer isn't to go, oh, we're fighting against God. Let's fight for him. The answer is, are we fighting against God is get out of the way. It's just get out of the way and allow his power to flow through us. And it was interesting as I was thinking about this, the ways we fight against God, sometimes you guys, it's really subtle. It's not like we're shaking our fist at God going, God, I'm angry at you. It's just, we're stubborn. We don't allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives. We aren't aware and responsive to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we don't, we, we don't allow his power to flow through. We're blocking it because we're kind of just stubbornly or maybe cluelessly sometimes standing in the way. We're in the way of what God wants to do, not always because of rebellion or outright sin like we're trying to fight, but sometimes we're fighting against God because we're not asking him in. We're not inviting him in. We're not allowing him to move the way he wants to move. And I think that can look like the full spectrum of, yeah, sure, there's some people that, are, that know God's told them to do something. Maybe in this room, maybe God's told you to do something. He's spoken to you. He's given you a very clear picture and you haven't moved on it. Well, then maybe you are fighting against God. Maybe you need to just get out of the way and allow God in. Maybe, maybe you're struggling because you're fighting with your spouse. You're fighting the wrong battle. You're fighting against God because you're actually not wielding power in a, in a healthy, loving way. You're not allowing your power and your position and your authority to lead to the flourishing of others. You're actually maybe trying to, to build up yourself. And I believe God wants to bring healing into those situations. I believe that there's so many different ways we can fight against God. I mean, I could I sit here all day and talk about him, but the thing that I want to convey is that I believe God is here today saying, get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way. And you'll be part of this blessing that's going to flow through you. The power of the Holy Spirit isn't something that's like a divine trick that's going to make people get all excited. I mean, later in, in the book of Acts, Simon, we're going to see this, the sorcerer, sees these guys healing, and he actually kind of comes along for the ride trying to get, get the power because he wants to do these magic tricks because he wants to build his, his social media following kind of thing. I mean, he kind of, I mean, if... <laughs> To compare it, I mean, he's really trying to build his own little, his business, his online business. Um, <laughs> I'm joking, but he, you know, the power of God is for us, is for the healing of people. And I believe there's people in this room, there's people in each of our lives that God wants to heal. 
And he wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through me. He wants to do it through us as a church. But he can't if we, we are standing in the way or we're just, we're blocking the way. And ultimately, the Sanhedrin and the religious authorities, they didn't like God's power flowing to the everyday people. They were, they were trying to stand in the way and they, they got crushed. And I believe God's inviting us today to respond by allowing him in, allowing his power to flow through. And that just takes asking. That just takes saying, God, how am I standing in the way of what you want to do? It's about being honest with God and asking him to reveal to you maybe the ways that you're fighting against him that you don't even realize, the ways that you're blocking his power from flowing to people that need it. Maybe you're hoarding. Maybe you've been given a lot of authority, a lot of influence, a lot of money, a lot of things that could bless a lot of people, but you're just kind of sitting on it. And you're afraid, and you don't want to, you're afraid, well, what if I give a bunch of money away and then I'm not going to have any money? Maybe God's actually calling you to, to trust him and be faithful. And again, it's not about the money. It's about what has God given you that he wants to give to other people? How can we open our lives up and have the Holy Spirit come in power? And that's kind of where I want to end, and I feel God's really wants us to really think seriously about this. So Peter and and Caleb are going to come up and lead us in worship. And I really want today for us to all ask this question, and I'll pray, and I want you to spend this time really just sitting with God and asking him how he wants to move in your life. What influence have you been given? And maybe you don't even think it's influence, but everyone of us in this room have been given a lot in terms of talent, time, energy, money, charisma, personality, relationships, networks, connections, spiritual gifting, blessings to flow to other people. And sometimes it's just as simple as opening your life, opening, opening your home to a, new, to a new friend, bringing them in and, and blessing them. It could be really big. It could be just like something radical. I don't know. But I believe God wants us to respond to this today. And I'm excited to hear about how you're going to respond and what God's going to do. God, I just pray today. I just ask that your power would come today, God, that you would just give your Holy Spirit an abundance that we would experience transformation in our own lives, but that we, would, that we would be so filled with you, God, that we would just experience the power flowing through us, that we would see people healed, God, that we would see people blessed, that we would see people that, that don't have authority or don't have influence, God, we would see them lifted up. Help us, God, to use the influence that you've given us, but also, God, we ask for just a pouring of your Holy Spirit and your power, that healing could flow. I pray that in this room, people's lives would be healed, God. People's marriages would be healed. I pray that financially, the struggles people are in would be healed, God. I pray that relationships that are broken, that are distant, would be healed. I pray that relationships with you would be healed, God. And I pray that, that we would have stories and stories and stories and stories of you moving in our lives. I want nothing more than to have that myself, God, and for me to tell my kids about all the amazing things that you've done. And I pray, God, that you would do that, not for our glory, but for yours, God, that your name would be lifted up, that Jesus Messiah would be proclaimed, that the good news would go out in Sherwood, God, and 
Tigard and Newburgh, Woodburn, and all over this, this place, God, I pray that you would move in power. So just use us today, God. Help us to get out of the way. Help us not to fight. Help us to just surrender to you. God, we give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to end with this um, one last thing I just got put on my mind as I was praying. I heard John Tyson, this pastor in New York, shared this picture of what surrender looks like. And if you think of um, at the circus like a trapeze artist, a trapeze artist that's, you know, one person is holding on to a person's hands and they let go and they're, wait, they're just they're suspended in midair, right? And they're waiting to be caught. <laughs> and they're there. And it's like there's nothing that that person can do. They train and train and train and train and there's trust. But there's surrender, right? And what surrender looks like is that, that moment of the trapeze show where the person just lets go and they just... They're, they're holding out their hands and they can do nothing except be grabbed by the, the, the person. There's complete trust, right? And that, that's scary, guys. That's really scary. But I believe that God's calling us to that kind of surrender today. That's what this looks like. Getting out of the way of God is surrender. And that surrender looks like just, it's faith, right? It's, it's completely letting go, complete trust in our God that he's gonna grab it, that he's gonna, the power's gonna be there, that he's gonna grab us and hold on to us. And that is hard to do, and that's scary. If you guys want prayer today, we will be here. Um, some of the elders, myself, grab a friend that you trust. And um, if you need prayer, we'll, we, we would love to pray for you too. So I just wanted that, that picture is just, I believe, what God is painting for us of what this looks like. So uh, let's just worship. and.